Or perhaps we're known by our roles in our family as Lexi's husband or Sydney's dad and fill in the blank with your family members. Maybe we're known by our personality, such as the friendly guy, the quiet girl, the obnoxious coworker that never shuts up. <laughs> Hopefully that's not our label. Now, while we're all known by different things, we may want to be known by something in particular. And as followers of Jesus, what I want to submit to you is that the most important thing for us is what Jesus wants us to be known for. More important than than what we're we're known for right now and what we want to be known for is what Jesus wants us to be known for. But what is that? What does Jesus want you and me as his followers to be known for? If you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 31 through 35. If you need a Bible, there are some blue ones in the back of the the pew there in front of you. And as we look at John 13, 31 through 35, we're going to discover what Jesus wants us to be known for. Here in John 13, Jesus and the disciples are having the Last Supper. He's washed their feet, and he has predicted Judas' betrayal. And in the passage where we're going to look at today, he gives the disciples a really important word of instruction, a command. And as we look at that, we'll discover what Jesus wants us to be known for. So let's pray together real quick, and then we'll, we'll, read, we'll stand and read the word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to gather here each week, to worship you, to sing praises to you, to hear your word preached and proclaimed, to encounter you through your living scripture. And we pray today, Father, that we would do just that. Regardless of how we came in here this morning, we need to hear from you. We need to be with you. Because you alone have the words of life. You alone can give us what we truly need. And so we come expectingly knowing that you delight in giving the gift of yourself, of giving the gift of clarity about life and what you desire and how you've set it up to be. And so I pray that today we would leave here encouraged by this time. Would you be with us for the next few minutes? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's stand and read John 13, 31 through 35. It says, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You can take a seat. So, 
it says when he had gone out, it's referring to Judas. So it's, it's, and this, so what we're reading here is that as soon as Judas leaves the room, and Jesus is now alone with his true disciples, he begins this last conversation with them before going to the cross. In verses 31 and 32, he tells them that the time has come for he and the Father to be glorified by one another, and he's referring to what is about to happen at the cross, where, they, where their love will be on display clearer than ever before. Their power in the resurrection will be on display clearer than ever before. And then in verse 33, Jesus addresses his disciples with a term of endearment. He says, little children, which was an affectionate way that rabbis would address their students. And he tells them that he's leaving soon and that they can't come with him. He doesn't explain why, but we know that, there's a, that he himself is the way to the Father and he's the way to the Father through the cross and that is why he is going. And so the way has not been made yet, but it will be shortly. But without any explanation, he moves on and he gives them the command. And this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. He says this. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I don't know if you caught it, but the answer to our question, what does Jesus want us to be known for, is right here in these last couple verses. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus wants us to be known by our love for one another. He wants, when people think of you and they think of me, the first thing that comes to their mind is that person is a person of love. He is a loving person. She is a loving person person specifically for one another and he's talking about for one another as believers as followers of Jesus as disciples more than what we do more than our family relationships more than our personality Jesus wants us to be known as people who love one another but there are two specific points here, two specific things that I want to draw out that I think are important when Jesus says this. First of all, there is, there is a focused group, we just talked about it, the focused group that he wants us to be known for loving is one another. So specifically, not other believers, not just people in general. He's told us to love our neighbor, but here he's saying he wants us to love one another because this is how people will know that we are his disciples. So the The focus of our love is one another. But then the second thing he says here is that he wants us to be known by loving in a particular way. In a particular way. He says, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Just as he has loved us. Now, Jesus has loved us in many ways. We could spend all day talking about that. But I want to suggest that there are two ways that I believe he's loved us that stand out and that are probably some of the most important as we, as we think about loving one another like Jesus has loved us. The first way is that Jesus has loved us by serving us. He has loved us by serving us. Earlier in this same passage, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And 
I want to just pause for a second and talk about that. That's weird for us because we don't live in a society where we even have our feet washed, right? We just hop in the shower once a day, or maybe twice, or hopefully at least once a day. So we don't live in a society where this is normal, but in their society, the servants did this, right? The people who were at the lowest bottom level within their society were the ones who washed people's feet. But in this instance, the rabbi, the teacher, the undisputed greatest person in the group, nobody in the room would disagree with that, laid aside his outer garments, grabbed a towel, grabbed a wash basin, and went around the room and washed the dirty, dusty feet of every single one of his disciples. It's crazy. It's crazy enough if you just think of it as if Jesus was, was a man and just a rabbi. But when you take it to the next level and you remind yourself that this isn't just a teacher, this is God in the flesh taking the form of a servant, getting down on his hands and knees to wash the feet of his disciples, it just is absolutely mind-blowing. I don't know how we can even begin to capture that and, and understand that and appreciate that, and this doesn't, doesn't really compare. It, it fails to really close the gap. But imagine if you drove home this afternoon and out in your front lawn, President Obama was mowing your grass. Or imagine if you walked into your kitchen and the governor, Rick Perry, was doing your dishes and scrubbing your kitchen counters clean. I don't know of any comparison for us to grasp, but if that happened, you would probably faint and get on Facebook and post it and people would be driving by your house. In this moment, God the Son is taking the lowest place in society to serve those that he loves, setting aside his rights, setting aside his status, setting aside everything that was rightfully his to serve. That's how he wants us to love one another. To not worry about what it cost us, to not worry about whatever other people think, but to take the, the jobs, to take the position that nobody else wants and to gladly serve one another. The second way that I believe Jesus has loved us that is really important as we think about loving one another as he has loved us is that Jesus has also sacrificed himself for us. So Jesus has served us, but he has also sacrificed himself for us. And as Jesus said, it was going to be just a matter of hours from this moment before he would willingly submit himself to death on the cross, laying down his very life for us. In our New Testament reading today, in John 15, 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That is exactly what Jesus did. I don't know if you've been following the news, but I recently read a story uh, back on June 19th, there was a retired Marine by the name of William Kyle Carpenter who was presented the Medal of Honor, which is the highest military honor you can receive by President Obama for his uh, heroic act 
back in 2010 in Afghanistan. So I was reading the article. What happened was he was providing security with, with another Marine, and a live grenade got thrown their direction. And Carpenter threw himself in front of this grenade. He jumped on it to save the life of his best friend, a guy by the name of Nick, I'm going to botch this, Euphrasio, I think is how you pronounce it. But in the process of throwing himself over this live grenade, he lost his right eye. He suffered intense, really, really bad damage to his face and his right arm. And if you, you can see a, a picture of him if you, if you Google his name. I mean, he's forever, his life is, is changed. His, his physical appearance is forever affected. But he lived through it. I think I share that story because it's, it's really a picture of one way to look at the cross, I, I believe, is to think of the grenade of God's wrath and his just punishment that we deserve for our sin. And Christ going to the cross was, in essence, like this man, throwing himself on top of that grenade, absorbing that, that wrath, that punishment that we deserve so that we don't have to die. And unlike this Marine who lived through this, Christ truly did die. And the Father raised him again on the third day to reveal who he was, to reveal that his wrath had been completely satisfied. And through Christ's death and resurrection, we have life. The thing that blows me away continually about what Jesus has done for us is that he did all of this willingly. He submitted himself to this plan. He didn't have to do it. I think sometimes we forget that. We're like, well, he's God. Of course he would do it. But it doesn't change the fact that he chose to do it. Nobody forced him. It says that he gave up his life. He laid down his life, which communicates to us that this was something that he chose of his own accord. He was in agreement with the Father that this was the way they were going to rescue us. So Jesus has loved us by serving us, but he has also loved us by sacrificing himself for us. The question, you know, it's kind of an odd thing when you read this passage. When Jesus tells us to love one another, it seems strange to command people to love. I think it helps when we look at it in the lens of what we're talking about. You can command somebody to serve one another somebody else or to serve one another and you can command someone to sacrifice themselves for one another and I believe that's what he's talking about this is action kind of love not just some feeling or or emotion but how in the world are you and I ever going to be able to love like this I mean that's a tall order right to be willing to take the lowest place and to serve people and take positions that we don't want that nobody wants to be willing to give up everything that we have, even our very lives for one another? I mean, how can we possibly do this? Well, the first thing I want to point out is that you and I cannot love like this on our own. It is absolutely impossible for us to fulfill that commandment in our own strength, on our own supply. We can't just try harder and, and, and make it. This kind of love only comes from one place, one source, God himself, because he is love. 
And so in order to obey Jesus' command to love one another, I believe that we have to start with staying in God's love, remaining in his love. In John 15, 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So if we want to love one another like Jesus has loved us, the only way that that's possible is if we are consistently taking in and receiving God's love. If we are constantly placing ourselves in the midst of it. And that's only possible as we remain in Christ, as we trust Him, as we look to Him, as we depend on Him. But when we are in relationship with Jesus, when we're remaining in Him, what is interesting is that loving one another naturally happens. As we draw in the love of the Father through our relationship with Christ, He naturally produces fruit through us. When you think about this, this imagery of the vine, when, when the branches are attached to the vine, they don't have to try to produce fruit. The vine produces fruit through them naturally. It's just a product of being connected to the vine. And so for us, if we want to love one another in these ways, serving one another, sacrificing ourselves for one another, our main and really our only responsibility is to stay in God's love and let him produce this through us because we can't do it on our own. But as we receive his love, we will begin to turn around and love one another we will begin to serve one another. And I, I want to brag on, on you guys for a little bit. One of the things that I love about our church is that we are a church that actually lives this out. There are countless times whenever I watch us serve one another. I see people help one another move. You know, nobody wants to move. Nobody wants to help anybody move. I don't own a pickup truck because I don't like moving. But we do that. We do that because we know that that's a need that we have, and we know what it is to have to do that alone. And because we love one another, we express that by helping each other move. One of the other ways that I've seen it expressed is people will take care of one another's kids so that they can go out on a date. Somebody did that for us recently um, on my birthday so that we could go out for dinner, and it was such a blessing just to be able to not have to corral Sydney the whole time, moving everything away from her end of the table constantly. <laughs> That's love, watching somebody's kids so they can go out. One of the ways that I love that we express this in serving one another is the way that we take meals to one another, especially when somebody's had a little one or they've been in the hospital. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of that deal, you know that that is such a blessing. It is amazing to get a hot meal delivered to your doorstep when you are sleeping like four minutes a day. That's the kind of stuff that I think are marks of loving one another like Christ has loved us. Just leaning in and choosing to be a blessing. But the other thing that happens when we stay in God's love is we do begin to sacrifice for one another. When we stay in God's love, we don't have to try to do this, but our lives begin to be generous. We begin to see everything we are and everything we have, all of our stuff, all of our finances, as a way 
that we can be a blessing to others. You know, that may look, look like giving to somebody who's in need whenever they are in a tough spot financially and you, you know, maybe, maybe you have the money, maybe it's earmarked for something else, but you choose, you know what, they need this more than I do it, so you give it anyway. Maybe it looks like supporting missionaries so that they can take the gospel around the globe, sacrificially taking some of your own finances to make that happen. Not just giving an amount that we can easily give and it not require any loss or faith on our part, but choosing to give an amount that hurts a little. But doing it gladly because of the fact that we know God has loved us that way, that he has given us his best, and so why not turn around and do the same? Jesus said, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I believe that that's true because the world doesn't love one another like this. The world loves one another based on what it benefits the one doing the loving. That's why people gather around common interest. They gather around something where, you know, hey, I'll, I'll do this co-op style thing where you do this for me and I'll do that for you. I'll scratch your back as long as you scratch mine. But as a church, when we choose to love one another and we say, I'll scratch your back regardless if you even have hands to scratch mine with, that transcends anything else that this world knows and is capable to do. But here at Skillman, we have a mission statement, and our mission statement is that we are a community determined to see God's reputation increase both at home and abroad. And what I believe, in light of what Jesus is telling us here, is that the thing that will have the most profound effect on our ability to be a part of seeing God's reputation increase, both at home and abroad, is how we love one another. This is one of the biggest factors in our effectiveness in our mission. Because when we love one another just as Jesus has loved us, serving one another, sacrificing for one another, the world sees that, and they see something that is truly unique, truly powerful. And it gives us an opportunity to share the source of that love, to share that that comes from Christ, that it's not us just waking up and deciding to do something amazing, but it's his love flowing through us. Now, I don't know where you are this morning when you, as you come in here. I don't know if all of this is, is something that you've heard before and it's a reminder, and if, if so, that's great. Or maybe you're somebody, when you come in and you hear this and this is just kind of foreign to you, maybe this, this idea of living in such a way that you put yourself in the lowest position, and you gladly give of yourself is just something new to you. Maybe because you don't know Jesus and because you're not one of his followers, today can be the day that that changes. Today can be the day that you come to know Christ, that you come to know this kind of love that makes it even possible to love like this. And that is possible if you will recognize that you were created by God to know him, but like everybody else who was created, you're a sinner and you've chosen to go your own way and you've rebelled against the very God who created you. If you will recognize that you 
have sinned against God, that you've chosen to rebel against Him, and that as a result, your rebellion deserves death. But also, place yourself under the fact that Christ died for you. If you will understand that He went to the cross so that you don't have to die, that He took your punishment for you, you can be forgiven of your sins. If you will trust that He is the Savior, that He is God in the flesh, that He has made a way for you. God raised Him from the dead. He is alive right now, and He longs to know you. He longs to set you free from yourself, from your sin, and enable you to live a life like this, a life like He lived, a life of loving others. If you will confess that you're a sinner, cry out to Christ, and trust that He can save you, you can be reconciled to God today and given the power to live a life of love. Jesus wants us to be known by loving one another like he has loved us. And what I want to ask you today is will you join me in seeking to stay in God's love, in making it a point to commit to receive all that he has for you in Christ each day so that you'll be able to do this, so that you'll be able to serve one another, so that you'll be able to sacrifice for one another. If we will do that as a church, we will see God's reputation increase right here at home in East Dallas and abroad because we will be a living, breathing portrait of the love of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us so unconditionally, so perfectly, that your Son expressed that in a clear 